furniture can be assigned a gender, then the Chesterfield sofa is blatantly male. With its muscular rolled arms and low back, it speaks of gentlemen's clubs and colonial times. And while that may appeal to some, that patriarchal quality gives the sofa an air that many dislike. Yet its popularity seems never to have waned. The name seems defiantly English. In England, Chesterfield is the Derbyshire town whose church has a famously wonky spire. It's also a county in America, after which a brand of cigarettes was named. There's a Chesterfield coat, too, the sort with a velvet collar so loved by city gents wanting to cut a dash. It's a name, then, that seems inherently male, stylish, but somewhat cold. And yet it's difficult not to be charmed by the story of how the sofa came about. As is often the case, it starts with a British toff, Lord Stanhope, the fourth Earl of Chesterfield. The sixth Earl came up with the coat, by the way. As a diplomat and general man about town, in the mid-1700s, he needed something his visitors could sit on in his grand Mayfair mansion. It was important that it wasn't too comfortable, which could mean they might overstay their welcome, but it needed to be more accommodating than a plain wooden bench. What was made was a leather sofa with rolled arms and back of the same height, the back low so that it wouldn't crease the sitter's clothing. While it looked inviting, the seat was firm and fairly flat. This was not a sofa to sink into, but to perch on. And yet it seems that everyone who saw it thought it such a grand idea that they wanted one for themselves. Over the following century, it evolved, gaining the deep buttoning that's become an intrinsic part of its design, and even feather seat cushions for extra comfort. The shape remained the same, though. Upholstered in hide, it had a sober practicality that seemed perfect for gentlemen's clubs, with no hint of soft cushioning or any other sissy nonsense. A Chesterfield was for men, and would certainly never be found in a lady's boudoir. At least not for a while. The upholstery of the sofa, with its quilted and buttoned leather and horsehair stuffing, was similar to that used in carriages, and later in the first motor cars. The confluence of practicality and simple shape helped make the sofa as suitable for a boardroom as a library. And then things started to soften. Fabric covering made it more comfortable for a start, and when the buttoning was reduced or even eliminated, then the whole thing was softer still. By the 1970s, it was gently subverted, no longer the stiff sofa of a gentleman's study, but, covered in velvet or a William Morris floral print, perfect for the contemporary sitting room. It became... Gasp! Almost feminine. While it's a piece that really needs to be handmade to be made properly, it's also become mainstream. Scaled up so that its arms and back reach neck height or higher, it becomes positively luxurious. And with buttons made from crystal or gold, then it becomes almost glamorous. Its adaptability means it's often referred to as the mother of all sofas – 
its basic shape visible in so many sofa designs today. The fashion for buttoning even gave a heritage twist to modern classics, such as Mies van der Rohe's Barcelona chairs of the 1920s. While the Chesterfield might seem overly conservative today, becoming a cliché of refinement and good taste, it played an important part in the development of domestic design. A timeless classic, certainly, but one that is always ready to be redefined. Colin, thank you. Uh, Colin's icons and their footstools available for you at the ABC Listen app, uh, which is where you will find all the blueprint things. Plus, of course, new episodes of our psycho travel podcast, Return Ticket, Hollywood, we go there. Kuala Lumpur, yes, Tasmania even. Check that out. ABC Listen app. I'm Jonathan Green. Getting in touch with ABC RN is easy. Join the conversation live using the ABC Listen app's call and text features.